0: This
1: is Jason Bailey from
0: ArtGnome.com
1: This is Jessica Angel from Art Project Decentralized. This is my new space of Bitcoin card talk and you're listening to Art
2: (laughs) on Blockchain
3: welcome back episode 18 art on the blockchain we have uh some special guests today marcus k dowley and from shoe music we have matt, hall. Hall, 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 matt hall, hall hall we're gonna get into some interviews with them we're gonna talk about all types of blockchain and music i'm excited because we've been focused on uh crypto art but not so much crypto music the past few episodes so exactly i think this is where our a lot of our interest and our comfort zone. Yeah, definitely comfort zone there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna get into that. But uh, first up, we have Cynthia Gayton's top five news. Oh, 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 oh,
0: yeah, on top of top of the uh, busy couple of weeks we've we've had, this is um, it is kind of relaxing just to talk about <laughs> regular things. Yeah. Um, so we've got you know, top five all in date order. This has been. This is going to be an amazing summer with regard to events, blockchain specifically. On June seventh, there's going to be a blockchain innovation, yeah, sorry, innovation conference at Rebel Bank in Utrecht, the Netherlands. Speakers are going to include Arthur Camera of CryptoKitties. He's going to talk about scalability. Bene Gupta, He's going to talk about the future of blockchain. The host is Vincent Everts. The theme is blockchain for proof to concept to real world solutions. Sorry, from proof of concept to real world solutions. Interesting. Speaker is going to be Leanne Kemp, CEO of Everledger, um, who's going to talk about operational blockchain platform for blood diamonds, understanding transparency and provenance related to high value goods. So that's kind of that should be very interesting. Um, on June thirteenth, there's going to be Basil Art Tech. ...plus Blockchain Connect in Basel, Switzerland. From the website, Forbes is te- teaming up with New Art Academy, a provider of cutting-edge edge art and technology education worldwide. Basel Art Tech plus Blockchain Connect brings together art market professionals, artists, collectors, blockchain co- companies, and the crypto community. The speakers will include our own Jess Colgrave, Kevin Nabosh, Pierre Nequin... Art Media Agency. It's a news agency for the art market. It's by invitation only, so you have to uh, request an invitation. Uh-oh. Hashtag Basil Connect. Hashtag uh-oh. <laughs> it's real now. Uh, on oh, June 26th yeah. to 27th of this year, there's going to be a blockchain summit in London. Two-day conference and exhibition. Promotes itself as the largest dedicated blockchain event in Europe. Huge speaker list. Uh, includes the founder of VR All Art Vitimir Jovemovich. Ooh, we butchered that. <laughs> I did. Um, Suki Judia, who's billing herself as the first number one best-selling blockchain author. And Marcus Odera, musician and lecturer in popular music at Middlesex University. Next, uh, July 17th, 2018, Art Plus, a lot of addition and subtraction in this list, Art Plus Tech Summit. It's a one day conference co curated with Christie's Education. This is an education arm of Christie's Auction House. And Vestari is an exhibition, or sorry, an exhibit collaboration facilitator. Includes speakers from Consensus, Deloitte, Clifford Chance, Artsy, Serpentine Galleries, and the Financial Times. Uh, there's a two panel discussions worth mentioning. Uh, moderate versus moderated by Jason Bailey at 145 the Shout pe-
3: out to Jason Bailey. He did a intro rap on our uh, <laughs> episode 15, and we also interviewed him on episode nine.
0: Yeah. Uh, the panel includes Mashemba Connehey, she's um, Big Chain DB slash Ocean Protocol, John Zettler Rare Network, Matt Hall, uh, CryptoPunks co-founder of Tune, Yehudit Mam of Data New York City Jason Bailey also moderating a second panel on the art market with Nan Decking of Artery Robert Norton with Vers- Versi- VerisArt and again Jess Holgrave of Codex Protocol
3: Holgrave everywhere she
0: is um, there will be separate presentations by Artsy and Kevin Bo- Bosch. so that was. this is going to be a huge
3: cool, huge event maybe we should make our way out there Hey, somebody listening to this, send us some tickets. Yeah, We'll come cover it for (laughs)
0: y'all. We will. Um, And the last, number five, all public art. This is a thing that's new to me. Uh, It's a website. Our mission is part of a movement in technology called RegTech, the application of technology to the traditional regulatory functions of auditing, compliance, and market surveillance regulation of trade in the art market today can be replaced by blockchain's ability to guarantee the validity of a transaction while confirming that the ownership of artwork and the identity of artists are accurate and remain unaltered. Um, That's a quote from their their website. It was very interesting to go on there. It was uh, very specific and it's addressing some of the questions that I have had about this this industry, so I, anybody who's interested, I think it'd be worthwhile for you to, to check it out because this is that, becoming... that's all public
3: art, right? Right, all yeah. public so, art. Yeah, I was we're gonna get Graham Goddard on here as an interview soon. We were talking to him in New York.
0: Okay, um, so launch is expected uh, third third or fourth quarter of 2018 on the APA pr- platform. Of course, a all public art. It's an Ethereum platform. Uh, physical fine art. And I saw that Summer Sherwood is identified as a brand ambassador, so I met her at the up in New York. Uh, so she's she's many places also. So, and I've got all the all the twitters that will be on the on the SoundCloud, and that's it. It's top five.
3: Well, that's a great top five. <laughs> Let's get into some music and blockchain shit. All right.
1: Yeah, so shout out to BitsOnline.com BitsOnline.com Go check them out The uh, They have a bunch of articles on there about um, Crypto stuff, blockchain And just tech news in general Check them out, BitsOnline.com
3: Alright, yeah, so um, Again We got the all music show finally back in action <laughs> uh, Well, maybe not all music Because Matt, I think, uh, has some other platforms He's going to talk about but uh, we have a special guest right here, Marcus Dowling.
2: Yes, I'm in the building from a
3: from Indies or in Alexandria with us. He's a uh, fellow DMV'er like us. Um, yes, been in and around and with Marcus for years in the scene, no, music of course, scene. No, yeah. paths always crossing. And uh, excited to talk to you today about uh, your thoughts on music and blockchain. No, and I'm excited. Uh, all this. Like
2: I never. Okay, so I never get to talk about. Uh, Music and blockchain, that's the thing that like it's, it's funny, no, because I I I obsess about it because obviously like we're in an era in the industry where as someone who is super hyper mega concerned about, you know, where music is coming from and its accessibility to people and people being able to appreciate and enjoy it as a as a journalist, you want to make sure that the, the creators of said music are able to, you know, make a sustainable living wage. Yeah. And that is almost impossible man.
0: For a lot of people, especially
2: if you're like, if you have spent, like I have, the better part of 10 years covering independent to mainstream, like crossover from independent to mainstream artists, then... Most of my industry, you've seen a lot of broke motherfuckers. Yes, I have. (laughs) Yes, I have. I could, I could absolutely say that. So that's the hardest part. is like when you're, when you're like, wait, so hold hold on, hold on, industry.
3: Hold on, let me hold that thought. Let's before we get into that. Yeah, let's just get a little bit background. Let me introduce. Yeah,
2: no problem. Dallin. You know,
3: like I said, he is from DC. He is joining us. Yeah. Um, let's go on background. Where? How did you get your start? Okay,
2: cool. So let's see. I uh, started a uh, blog in 2008. Uh, Called "True Genius Requires Insanity." I was a uh, college journalist, a college writer. I was also a college DJ, so that's kind of like my deeper, further background in music. My uh, my father, even further back, was a uh, drummer for uh, the Neville Brothers. Oh shit! And so, like you know, also played with uh, Alan uh, Alan Toussaint.
1: Okay. So, from New Orleans?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my dad. So, I, I I have a deep and long history and understanding and appreciation of music, especially soul and R and B. Uh and then, you know, as I got into the 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 writing industry in two thousand eight, that came from an interest in uh house music, Baltimore Club. Mm -hmm. Uh also like you know kind of that, you know this gets into our conversation we'll probably have today. Uh noting that the music industry was starting to fall apart in around like two thousand seven and realizing so, Around the advent of the iPhone Yes, exactly It's right <laughs> coincidence <laughs> <laughs> Funny, funny that, iTunes So I remember like, you know, getting an iPod And then like realizing that like I could surf the back into the internet And find every single song ever created Somewhere in Brazil or, you know, like in, in Soviet Union And scouring those blogs and being like, wait This is all available free right for free i was like this is beautiful and shared
3: computers around the world yeah distributed
2: astounding and so i was really into examining where the break occurred in the industry like watching like understanding that the music industry was irre- irrevocably broken oh my God. and studying these artists and understanding how connections could be made in a broken industry so, 'cause I'm giving you, I'm giving you my my, uh, my my bio in a way that's understandable to people who listen sure. to this podcast so they understand. Um, so the industry's broken, so I'm like re- I'm, I'm examining how like Diplo can be a producer in Philadelphia mm-hmm. but can have immediate first hand <laughs> access to music from Sao Paulo Brazil and then can go into a pro tool session and put this all together mm-hmm. and make a Baltimore club track. Right. And it's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. That's the thing that you couldn't do.
3: Yeah, the regions got blurred.
0: Right. It wants everything. Music, Giles genres, Peterson Giles yeah, right. Peterson.
2: <laughs> so Giles would have to actually go into like I mean Diplo did too. You'd have to go yeah. into the favela, grab the record, bring it back,
0: right. play yeah. it,
2: the whole deal. Now that was that, that brings
3: me to an interesting point too, is the first time I did a um, a beat battle, which was in two thousand one at the now defunct Metro Cafe. Yeah. Um which I believe was the first beat battle of all time. Thank you very much. <laughs> um uh i had to go and travel with the 45 inch record that everybody had to sample for it yes yeah. so i had to go to kev brown's house in maryland i had to go to gadget's house i had to go all the way around and wait two days for them to bring me back the record of or course. like literally <laughs> like to sample this record for everybody yeah it, you know no it, 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 like th- that's the same thing it's like yeah. it, it's broke right it, so i was fascinated
2: so i was fascinated by this and i would write about All of this music that was in that Nexus desk. So that's like my my core competency. Mm -hmm. There's such a thing in the way that I've maneuvered my journalistic career. So I've written for Pitchfork. I've written for Complex when they do Android Stance, which is an EDM blog, which is crazy because electronic music has become a thing for me because of understanding that, that weird split of like understanding like, okay, so like... And it was and this was at the same time that like every single producer was like eighteen years old. Yeah. And had, you know, never really understood like how to produce. They were just pushing buttons on the keyboards. And it was it was fascinating to me because I'm like, wait, okay. So there's this thing that like and you know, like I grew up around house music and I grew up around like, you know, like these legendary remixes. Like mm-hmm. my mom had tons of records. Greater, greatest house music of all time uh, One record Gosh, I would say um, Let No Man Put Us Under" The remix by uh, Frankie Knuckles Okay, Frankie Knuckles OG. Yeah, so I was like So you, you have something like that And Frankie Knuckles is like Spun in every great club in the world And he's played every record And he understands like How these records sound on amazing sound systems And then he gets to remix the record And he's obviously remixing it In a way that's like Sensitive to these systems mm-hmm. We go from that to like Martin Garrix, who's like sitting in his bedroom, has never spun a record in a right. club ever. Has no understanding or like inclination that probably ever spin a record. And he's just like, I'm futzing around and I have Ableton open, and I'm gonna make this track. And I like the way this beat. And I like the way this, you know, this this drum kicks. Sure. And it's, so that was, it's a, it's a,
3: it's so bedroom producers creating club tracks. Right. Definitely a phenomenon. And, that and, you, and not yeah. being
2: in the club. Yeah, right. And, and not, not exactly. <laughs> and
3: specifically. Not even being be <laughs> uh, right. in the club. Specifically
2: not being of age to be in a <laughs> yeah. club, which is like, wait, this, none of this makes sense.
0: This is what, how I so, imagine a club to be. Right. Are you pro
2: or con <laughs> in that state um, of mind? Okay. So it's a faci- <laughs> that's a fascinating question because it's like, I want to say that I'm against it. But at the same time, given the kind of journalism that I do, I have to be aware that the future has erased the rules of the past. Erased. So we're dealing with an entirely new environment where, and again, for the purposes of this podcast, there are no rules. Mm -hmm. We are, I was telling Cynthia this earlier, like you, we've gotten to a point now where we have to learn how to rebuild industry at large so it's not even so much being a creator or being an artist Mm -hmm. but it's about being an architect that's the most important skill now because that's the most important job of the whole industry is how to how do we build you know like the uh, uh, the,
3: the bedroom producers move so fast now you got to scramble to build up a whole new way of
2: yeah, monetizing right.
3: and all that stuff that's right? the
2: one they, and that's the and that's the most important part is that okay so and and this is like the the trouble in it is that you pay a 16 year old kid ten ten trillion dollars to make a track of his bid. that's the only check this kid is getting because of the the way that this thing moves
3: right right right. and
2: there's no like longevity in this and that's one of the problems of where a podcast like this comes in where you right. understand okay so if we re- if we've like reconfigured this industry how do you teach how do you understand the building blocks because they're brand new blocks too because right. they're not the same old blocks
3: no they're not at all if i tried to reemerge into the scene like it was in 2008 9 i would like i wouldn't even know what to do somebody uh, an artist hit me up today and was like yo what's the best platform to release my mixtape on and i was like bruh. I don't <laughs> fucking know. Like, like that's there's only a few of them now. Like before, like you could do a whole bunch of options, but like right now, I, I dude, I don't know. I was like, get your YouTube up so you can fucking a lot of
2: time. Exactly know, right, right. So that's the that's the fascination point for me. It's like understanding. Okay, we have no, we have we have brand new tools, we have brand new you know materials, we have brand new things that we're attempting to build. It's mm-hmm. like I always I, I tell kids that I mentor this. I say.
3: Yeah. Could I pause you real quick? No problem. Um, we have Matt um, calling in from Tune Music right now, so
2: let's take this call and we'll get back to the uh, interview. Yeah, no, here. I'm excited for this. This will be good. Can you hear us? Yeah, can you Matt, hear me? how you doing? Hey.
3: Yeah, yeah, you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Great, great. Hey, hey this is Skrilla. Cynthia. Hey.
2: Marcus Dowling, pleasure.
3: Hi. Uh, Tune Music is a platform um, built uh, with Ethereum, right Matt? Yep. Um. And can you give us a general uh, overview about what Tune is?
1: Yeah, sure. Tune is a streaming music platform where we uh, pay musicians uh, in notes, which are our tokens. And it's basically, right now, there's uh, for the first ten years of the platform, there's half of the total supply of notes are handed out on a daily basis to uh, to musicians based on their share of streams every day. So we call that streaming as mining.
0: So you're live now?
1: Yep, we've okay. been out for now. I mean, I mean that for about three weeks.
0: Okay, because I was, I just remember learning about you, and I didn't know you were affiliated with it. So it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, so three weeks, so it's pretty new. And hey, Matt,
3: you congratulations. got congratulations. You got you started out the platform uh, Etherpunks too, right? Uh, CryptoPunk. Yeah, CryptoPunks. i mean, sorry. Yeah. Um. And CryptoPunks was one of, if not the first, uh, kind
1: of art-based crypto art thing on Ethereum, right? I believe so. Yeah, I've been I've been saying that at uh, at talks and events and waiting for people just
0: like (laughs) to correct you, exactly.
1: Because that was that (laughs) was a thing.
0: People were checking on live (laughs) in real time in in January. Nobody's challenged it since January that I've heard.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I know there was like, Merpepe um, was uh, something that we knew about when we were looking at CryptoPunks, but as far as we knew, uh, there was nothing really on Ethereum before that. There wasn't, now we have these standards for how to do these kinds of, um, you know, ERC-721 and stuff like that for how to do this stuff. But when we did it, we did it from scratch. And I think ERC-721 is partially based on our code and stuff like that.
3: Sweet. And uh, ERC-721 is the same code that uh, CryptoKitties and all that stuff use, right?
1: Yeah, I believe they were the first um, sort of ERC-721 official, um, you know, compliant, whatever you want to call it, contract, uh, but yeah, the, and so we, when we made our thing, it was before any of that stuff existed, and we were just trying to figure it out, basically.
3: And uh, just before we get into the tune, um, where can people uh, go check out CryptoPunks if they're interested? You
1: can go to larvalabs.com slash CryptoPunks, or if you just search CryptoPunks, it'll be the top result.
0: Lar- Larva Labs,
1: sweet. Um, all right.
0: And with Ar- Larva Labs, I did want to ask a question about that. So, what informed what? Because Larva Labs, you do app development, iOS, Android. So, or that was that your core business at first, and then you went into the CryptoPunk, or how did how did you evolve from the app development, or did you start with app development and then do the CryptoPunks, or how did how did that come together?
1: Um, so our thing it's it's, uh, me and my partner John and uh, we've been working together for a long time and we basically just try to be into the new stuff uh, before you know sort of as early as we can anything that looks interesting we try to get into so we were into mobile um, pretty early I don't know if you guys know the sidekick phone at all yes
2: very well yeah
1: (laughs) so we were on we were right now for the T-Mobile sidekick in like 2005 um, if any of you had that, we wrote a bunch of music software for that. We wrote a, drum, a couple of drum machines, a synth, like, uh, a bunch of games and stuff. Like, we ended up writing like 30 or 40 apps for that thing. Nice. Um, and that's actually how we went uh, independent. We quit our jobs and were basically just writing sidekick apps full time. It was amazing. Super fun. And, um, we just kind of kept going after that. The iPhone came out, then Android came out. Uh, there's a whole big overlap in the teams. Uh, there's a lot of former sidekick people in the founding team of Android. So we knew some of them got early access to Android and we're working on that. And, uh, but then, you know, sort of like the mobile market matures. Everybody's kind of getting a sense for what they want apps for. And it's a little harder to do new things there. So we have kind of been keeping an eye on this, on this crypto stuff, but with Bitcoin, it wasn't really it wasn't really a platform for developers in the same way as Ethereum was. So when that came out, that was suddenly like, oh, we can maybe do something cool with this. And and we had the the uh, art for the punks kicking around, and we we're like, oh yeah, this might be this might be a good combination.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting to see the origin stories. Yeah, for sure.
3: Um, what made you uh, start tune music after uh, CryptoPunks? Where, where did you? Uh... You're solving a problem, obviously. That you, uh, what, what problem are you? Are, where, I guess what problem are you trying to solve? And when did you treat up
1: our uh, make that treatment for uh, tune music? Well, um, as part of like after we did the CryptoPunks and we suddenly we, it started slow, and then we got a whole bunch of press about it, a lot like, of like art world press and things like that. And um, we ended up meeting a bunch of people that were not in our normal circle, uh, like sort of non-tech people and. One of those people was one now the co-founder with us, one of the co-founders of June, uh, Gareth Emery, who's a pretty well-known DJ and musician. Yeah, I was going to say. And his wife owns a gallery, and we were talking about, like, what's this going to do to art, and maybe we should do something together with art, or maybe we we were talking about maybe doing, you know, something similar to CryptoPunks, but with some of Gareth's songs. And as we were talking about it, we were like, you know, there might be something, like, bigger here that... Like talking to Gareth, we found out a few things about the music industry that we, that to me weren't common knowledge. That there was plenty of money being made on streaming. Like, a, from me as a listener, I thought, like, yeah, nobody makes money, you know, on uh, on Spotify plays or whatever, which is true if you're an artist, but it's not true if you're a label. Labels make a ton of money. Spotify's, you know, trying to make some money too, but basically the labels make most of that money. So, And then on SoundCloud, nobody makes any money. Uh, so, it, we, after talking to, him, uh, talking to Gareth a bunch about that, we are like, you know, there may be a solution here. There may be something, like, at least, like, really new we can try here, like a real reset on this whole thing. And uh, as our conversation evolved, we went back and forth, like, for a while on um, just how would this thing look, how would it work, um, and kind of came to some conclusions and brought in a couple more partners, and, and that was basically the start of June.
3: When did you start that? Uh, like, when did that idea manifest? Was it before or after uh, the, the Rare Art Festival?
1: That was starting to take shape at the Rare Art Festival, I would say. Um, we were starting to talk about doing it seriously. Like, we had been feeling out the idea and just being like, you know, is there something here that would really work? Like, there's lots of crypto projects that are like, you know, claiming this is going to revolutionize this and that. And we were like, let's is there a plan here? Like, there's a, is there a thing we can actually build that would be cool and would be something people would want to use right away and that could grow to be a, an important thing? And once we started figuring that out, yeah, that was around, uh, you know, the end of last year. So that was started getting into September-November type situation.
2: Yeah, so definitely. I had a question, um, Mr. Marcus, over here. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask. I am at this point now where I'm starting to understand... The, uh, the the loss of revenue in the music industry Between uh, 2005 and where we are right now 2005 being one of those years where the music industry Made ridiculous sums of money Like $20 billion like overall And there's a gap now of, I think, 200% Of revenue between where we were in 2005 and where we are right now And I feel like that's money that should be going to the artist's that we're missing. And my question to you is how are you preparing for growth in order to attempt to get that money into the hands of artists overall that are looking for this money in order to like incrementally allow for the music industry to begin to, you know, make up for lost ground. Right. So because to me to me it's a scaling thing that's that's what I'm that's what I'm intrigued by like how do you scale for that kind of growth in in something like this that's just such a like you know revolutionizing and largely brand new industry
1: yeah and when you say when you say scaling do you mean like how do you grow into being a solution to that larger problem exactly. or do you mean that in terms of just like a, of me, a tech
2: no to me yeah to me it's 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 being the solution because i think that's ultimately at the end of the day, if, like if when this works to the level that it should work, then I think that's the part that you know, like this as an industry begins to play in the future of where you know music is headed.
1: Yeah, I'd say like there was this dream um, that uh, when the internet was new for music, that was like this is going to be amazing, right? Like artists can go direct to fans; the cost of distribution goes to zero. You can get music to exactly the people that, that want it. You don't have to have record stores and presses and all that kind of stuff, and it'll be great, and the artists will make most of the money, and that'll be, that'll be cool. And somewhere in there, that didn't happen, and um, I'm not exactly sure how that happened. It's like There's a few, I would say, competing reasons why that would happen, but the, the situation now is that the, the labels, the major labels seem to hold most of the cards um, so much so that they can, they can still command these deals, even though they're not. It used to be that you had to go through the label to get to the distribution. Now that's not the case, but they still are able to command these um, these, kind of, uh, these deals that really favor them. And so much so that then they can use that to kind of boss around these streaming platforms and get them to sign whatever deal um, they want, ultimately, even though it ends up kind of harming the platforms itself. Like You can see the, the struggles that SoundCloud is going through now and Spotify, and, you know, is Spotify bleeding. has never yeah. made any money even Spot though the yeah. revenue keeps growing. Spotify's the
2: office music playlist. Is- yeah, Spotify's bleeding money left and right. So I'm at, that's why I asked the question because I feel like there is a space there. There's that space of, of income for the industry that is ultimately now in the hands of going straight from platform to artist and that to me is the, is the real question because we've already answered for the three major labels that are left but now we have to answer for the millions of artists that we have available now who all should be earning for even if it's minuscule amounts of money for the amount of content that they're making
1: yeah so i I'm, would say yeah yeah so i'm uh, just trying definitely. to
2: figure out i'm just trying to figure out like scale wise like are have you thought about like what this looks like in like a 12 month 3 year 5 year kind of plan because to me, I think that's the one problem we always had was when, you know, in the days of Napster and, you know, LimeWire, whatever, so on and so forth, we never had any plan that was actually stated for like, okay, 20 years down the line, we're still in business. What does this look like for us? How do we want to be able to be like, you know, an advocate for artists and them being able to like, you know, make a sustainable wage?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of like that relationship to the industry, especially to the labels, um, there's a few, the, the plan is a few years in duration there. So right now, uh, the people that can sign up and upload music to Tune are strictly people who own all the rights to their own music. So it's a reset on all that stuff. We're not doing deals to get back catalogs. We're ju- just looking for next generation of artists who haven't got caught up in this system yet. And um, partially, that's you know practical a practical concern because we just can't do these deals, uh, obviously, with these with these big labels, and right, we right, can't right. compete with Spotify yeah. on on catalog. Um, but then the offer can be kind of dramatically better for these people uh, because of that, because it's a reset, because all the earnings get paid transparently every day yeah. and things like that. Right. Once once we have sort of a critical mass of that, then we can start talking to like indie labels and be like, because the system, the payment system can work for. Or whatever. Can, all the money can go to an individual, you know, somebody who makes them an Ableton and uploads it, they can get all the money. Or right. it could be a split between a label that's still providing worthwhile services or whatever they whatever they want to do. So we would then start doing um, onboarding like indie labels. That would be sometime, you know, let's say like early next year. Then once we have that thing, and then hopefully what we start seeing is that new artists start by going to Tune, like if, if we get if we can break a new artist and it happens on Tune and they reap most of those benefits and they they don't ever need to go to the big label, then right. that's the 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 catalyst that starts to you know make this this whole thing work. Um, and then eventually we can talk to the bigger labels once we sort of have enough critical mass there and and wait behind us. Um, maybe maybe they'll, be, maybe they'll
3: be blown up by then anyway. Yeah,
2: and I just wanted to have one final question to add on top of that. Have you thought about Have you thought about reaching out to third party distributors who need access to, you know, for them, inexpensive slash like royalty freestyle music for commercial use?
1: I think ultimately, yes. I think what would be great is that um, this basically this like uh, payments infrastructure we're building on top of music would cover a lot of these use cases. So, right now we're just doing streaming because that's kind of the most popular right. uh, method for people. But then we want to add lossless downloads and things like that. So you can imagine different licensing models for that. Like I'm I'm downloading this for personal use. I want to use this in a commercial. How much do I have to give you to use it in a commercial, stuff like
2: that. Yeah, because I know that Moby, he has the, the gratis site where he's, you know, put up a bunch of his remixes and a lot of, like, you know, actually big, some of his bigger hits that he has, you know, physical control over now. And they're available for free download for, like, you know, for use in these kinds of, like, you know, like third-party situations or, you know, for commercial use. And
3: it, How does it's, he track it?
2: Well, he has, he, has, he has tracking on the back end. Like, you know, it's literally you put in your email and it opens up, uh, you know, like, you know, cataloging service where everything you've ever downloaded under your name gotcha. is available. And so you can you can track it on the back end and then you have to kind of like, you know, tag the, the film and mm-hmm. eventually, like, you know, you go back in on the back end and you tag where it is so that he can look okay. or whomever is administrating a site can look through and go, OK, so this was used for, you know, one, two, three, go the movie. And right. this was the, you know, the opening sequence, whatever. But I mean, I feel like that's that. I feel like that's like the long goal of all of this. I want your thoughts on this too, like, because it's something that I thought about. And when I was heard, I was speaking, I'm like, oh, good. This so would be good to talk to somebody who thinks probably the same way. But like, this is like the long-ish arc of this is that you get to a point where it's not even a label situation, but the real mover is like how many times can you get something into the public atmosphere and have that push the earnings so that it's like the McDonald's commercial or not even the McDonald's commercial but maybe like the ad that pops up when you're playing, you know, tiny, angry, you know, birds of doom, whatever, on your phone. So stuff like that where it's like that's where the real push for the the music comes from and it's all like, you know, available via these kind of, like, you know, Bitcoin, you know, push sites. So thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of interesting to think also that what if all this was just made easier, right? Like, the technology side of this um, seems like this all should be much easier, like this rights management and payment stuff. And you can just go to a site and and take a look at a 100 different, you know, tracks that you can use for, you know, I'll pay you a 1,000 notes and I get to use in my my game. I'm an indie, indie dev. Like, I would want to do that when I was writing games and apps. Um, right, that, would, that easy, would have made right? your life so like easy, right? There's stock audio stuff out there now, but yeah. just you know, doing it at scale would be a pretty interesting
2: thing. Yeah, that would, have, that would have made your life crazy easy, right? Like to be able to do that and just have to be able to source the music
1: that way, right? Yeah, sorry, I, I, I didn't hear that. No, I was saying about.
2: that would have made your life 100 times easier, right? If you could have just sourced your music that way.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and if I also if I know that it's going, that it's like most of that money is going to the person who made it, right? That, and then. Oh, God. I and mean, what does that do to the pricing then, right? If it's easy for everybody, and most of the money goes to the artist, and does this whole thing like, oh yeah, I can do this now. Like you know, give me ten, give me ten bucks. So I got enough people to make it using this track. But that's that's fine. It's cool with me. That's
0: something like that. Right. So, so how can you, as an as an artist in terms of customizing uh, music availability and how it's used, um, are you, how are you, are you asking the artist what they'd be interested in? having available in terms of like if it was something just for advertising or how do they how do they customize their um offerings
1: well yeah and what we're talking about right now is a little ways down the road still mm-hmm. um the first step is really uh sort of building this critical map and i think the streaming is the simplest and most common way to do that like that's what people want to do right now is just stream music and
3: mm-hmm.
1: um but the, we're working on i would say like sort of the Right now we're working on the first example of what that, that kind of rights management stuff would look like where we're in the process of working on monetized playlists. So basically people, you would curate, you know, my, I'm, I'm the curator of like the number one deep house playlist and I, you know, comb the, comb the tune library and find the best track and I put it on there and people who are posting their tracks can decide how much of their revenue to share with people who put them in their playlist so we're going to start at something like about five percent something like that but eventually we're going to let that float so you can decide you know what i'm like i'm a superstar i don't need i don't need anybody's help i'm getting zero percent you still might want to put in your playlist because my track's amazing but a new artist
3: might want to give seventy five percent to get in that exactly. playlist. Right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
1: Smart. And so then that just all gets rolled up into this uh into this whole payments infrastructure and you can make those decisions for whatever makes sense for you, um, depending on where you're at, all that
2: stuff. Yeah, okay. rela- yeah, you mind if I just jump in real quick. Um related point I wanted to ask if you could explain to people. Um I feel like especially in like the trance and deep house industries, these are people who really get where this is headed and I want you to see if you could speak to that because I mentioned Gareth Emery earlier and I was thinking about people like Marcus Scholes and people like that who have like real like actual libraries where they could like put this in and like watch it like you know like fly right off the gate so like if you could speak to that and like the importance of these artists in you know kind of like this cryptocurrency era yeah
1: yeah definitely Um like EDM and uh, you know techno, House all that I kind of like electronic music is the like kind of natural first home because a lot of these people are self producers. They you know, make it on their computer. They're kind of nerds in some way, anyways. Um, right. So and there's like a bit of there's an interest in that community in in, uh, in crypto in general. So they kind of get it. They're interested in the possibility. Um, they also there's a tendency for them to own their rights more. There's more of a like an indie indie thing that happens in EDM, like partially just because maybe cost of production is so low. And you're making it on your computer and put it out there. People have like large libraries of tracks too because they make lots of tracks to play out stuff like right. that. So so that was the natural first home. That was like and the reception has been really strong there. So that's good. There's a couple other like genres that we want to go to probably next but uh, that was definitely the first uh, natural place. So
0: we'll do start. people do people offer exclusive tracks? I mean how if in people choosing a, a listener to go to Tune is there exclusivity or limited availability or something like that? Do you make those kinds of arrangements with the artists?
1: Um, we don't. We don't, in, in the sense that we don't ask for that. Um, okay. It's up to the artist. So we don't ask for any exclusives. So you can post it to SoundCloud and post it to Tune. The only thing we uh, ask for is that you own the rights to the song. But we have seen people posting exclusives um, because they want to drive traffic there. Like If you drive it to SoundCloud, you know, there's only so much you can get out of that. So... People want it. People want their listeners to end up on tune. So, um, the um the person who's been number one for I think now seven days is this um this guy named Guy Jay who posted a track that he's been playing live for I think a couple of years and he's never well, never posted it anywhere. So he posted it to Tune and told his followers about it and they all went there to get it. So uh and that drove the, the thing right to number one. So so that was and that was his call though like we didn't ask him to do an exclusive or anything that's
3: but. that network effect um i got a question matt how do you host the music
1: um right now the, the streaming side of this is pretty standard so it's done like uh s3 and stuff like that um that's the kind of thing we'll we'll try to move uh more decentralized as time goes on but right now it's all pretty pretty standard
3: so it so just to be clear that's eventually y'all want to decentralize it but right now it's just uh a a server that y'all control correct
1: yeah exactly there's a sort of there's a a few components to how the service works and the actual streaming part of it is fairly standard and then there's some blockchain stuff on it that gets all the way to you know the fully decentralized like the contracts running on ethereum are obviously like fully decentralized but the streaming aspect right now is, is fairly standard
3: that's that's like the most expensive part of doing this right is the um the more tracks you get the more server space you need
1: yeah and like there are, it's at least like manageable these days you know like um you know a little while ago without F 3 and things like that it would have been a huge change we've been buying servers and put them in racks and stuff so at least we got that um but yeah ultimately ultimately it will get um it will get fairly pricey Whoa. So it's interesting like there's all these these there's these trade-offs right now we're we're in the early days of all this stuff so like we've got um copyright concerns we don't want people posting copyright tracks and and getting notes for them and things like that so there's like there's mechanisms that need to be developed i think for those kinds of things
3: is it how do you guys combat that right now is it just because it's such a small community you can combat it on an individual basis a case yeah, by case thing
1: it's partially that we also scan everything that's uploaded mm-hmm. so we do we do a full copyright scan we do the same stuff that everybody else does to do that
3: what, what is your thoughts on putting mixtapes on Tune?
1: Uh, we'd love to do it I mean that would be great like that's one of my favorite things on SoundCloud is, uh, is DJ mixes so what we need really to do like, to do it properly what we need to know we need to know what's in the mix um, yeah. so we could it could almost be like a, like a playlist sort of payout type thing yeah. Um, and we don't quite have that yet so like playlists would be first step on that so the, the individual tracks you play one after another but you know they're discrete, so we know who to pay and then the next step after that would be I would hope we could do uh, DJ mixes after that I,
3: I remember back in the day Sound Exchange when they started they started collecting money for artists and then they started contact cold calling the artists and artist management to be like yo you have $10,000 20000 $30,000 sitting here um, you know, let us pay you and get you all correct so we can attribute certain things and pay you out. Um, it seems like that would be a something that Chun could do, like uh, with say a mixtape. And um, I put it out, and there's a bunch of different artists on there, um, and you want to make sure that they get uh, co- compensated for that. Then Tune could be like, oh, we have you know X amount of notes waiting for you here because of this mix and stuff." Is that a
1: possibility, or is that just violate? copyright too and all that I don't, I don't know i don't yeah i don't know if i'd i'm sure about that case like that would be great um i don't know it's like we're trying to steer clear of all of that right now because it's sort of a whole entanglement once you get involved in that legacy copyright system mm-hmm. then you start getting drawn into it and you got to figure out like you know where to draw the line so right now the line is pretty clear It's just like what we would allow first of all is people doing mixes i think of stuff that's already on tune okay yeah um which is cool in its own way because everything then is sort of within the system it's really seamless Um, and another like sort of related feature to that would be we want to do like basically first class remix support so people could in the same way as you can say like I'll give 5% to anyone who puts my track in their playlist Uh, you can say like I'll give 50% to anyone who remixes my track uh, or or I'm asking for 50% or 30% of the revenue and here's the source files for the song you can download them and when you post it then I'll automatically get added to your to your track. Um, so that's sort of like you know, in obviously in, um, in electronic music and in hip hop culture, there's like a ton of remixing and a ton of referencing. So, but it's always like slightly gray area. And people are like, "That's my sample," no, it's not, or whatever. So, it just would be cool to make that all sort of part of the system, so that it's all above board and everybody can make it pretty frictionless. Yeah.
0: What you could do, because everybody would have to get it cleared anyway, whatever if they had a sample, but. If if this was a way to actually encourage other folks who have um, anything that would, they would like to have in a mix, go to you directly at the beginning of it, and then it could be part of then everybody knows up front that they're going to get a cut and put put a mixtape together that way, so it's a little more deliberate instead of waiting till after the fact, right? Because if you, it, it might be a way to get artists that would not at all otherwise be interested. In cryptocurrency, say, okay, well, you know, we want just a sample of this amount. You're going to get X out of this. We have a smart contract handling that. You have 10 samples on it. And everybody kind of knows up front. All the players know up front. That way they can see how it works immediately because that's something they would not be able to do if they're waiting to get royalty payments on ASCAP. Right. (laughs) Um, That might be really kind of cool to pull together artists that would not otherwise even be interested in this. If you could if you could say, you know, we've got a token here, mm-hmm. you're getting this amount in royalties and is right here. Mm-hmm. But
1: Yeah. It it seems like it just it's just a lot more attractive and it's a lot more interesting than the system like hearing Gareth explain it to us, he's getting, you know, he'll get this royalty report and it's for like stuff, Oh yeah, you were on the radio in a year ago. Right. And here's like, you know, here's and how you much know. you're owed and <laughs> And you, and you know it's only, like, the tip of the iceberg, right? Because how many times were you was your song played that nobody, you know, heard it or didn't track it properly or whatever, and it's all super late, so...
3: And there's a lot of, like, blanket agreements and stuff like that that don't
1: really keep track of it.
0: Right. Sound, yeah, and you and can sound recording a it and it's
1: never worth it. So people just don't bother. So there's just a bunch of, like, leakage in the system um, that's just per- generally pretty unfair to artists, so... Um, just to make that a lot simpler, transparent, and just way faster—like that's what computers are good at, you know. Like, we yeah, <laughs> should, I a, yeah, you should I let
2: to, them do it. Yeah, I wanted to jump in with a question. Um, Music modernization act is a thing now that's really getting a lot of like you know a lot of popularity. A lot of people are talking about it. I was just on on Capitol Hill like two separate times <laughs> where people are like, there's actual like you know world renowned artists like lobbying in Congress to like make sure that artists who Released the music prior to 1972 are able to get you know actual like you know checks for their their music. So thoughts about thank you
0: Pharrell. Yeah, yeah. you
2: know like oh <laughs> thank God for blurred lines, or else we would never need this. But um, but the thought my thought my, my, my question here is to you, Matt, about contacting legacy artists because. There's something about like people like Charles Bradley and people like Sharon Jones who've been able to like regenerate their careers and be able to like have this kind of like you know resurgence and noting that they these artists come out of nowhere, quote unquote nowhere and they you know like emerge and they are immediately at the top of, of their industry. The thought of doing that in the blockchain era, so that there is an interest that is created and then you can retain those fans for what you're doing in this new environment. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about like the possibility of what that could look like insofar as like reaching out maybe not to new artists but also to like you know artists who are older as well, who are legacy artists who may say like somebody like Mavis Staples for instance, who, you know hadn't been in a studio in like ten years and then it's like, oh yeah, I've recorded a bunch of brand new music. And people know me and people are aware of me. And they don't I, have
3: the label, they don't know the groundwork. Yeah, they right. weren't indie artists like how it is now.
1: Yeah, like they're they are just They you know, came like, up through the traditional. Yeah, just boom. Like that.
2: and so so just thinking about that. Like, you know, have you thought about that? Is that something that would be of potential interest?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think at least in our early stages here, it's it's really all about like what's their what's their current deal. Like are they are they still are their rights tied up? Like some of these um some of these uh, contracts that people sign are pretty unfair, so it's surprising like how restricted they are and what they can do, but um, but assuming that that's not a problem, then yeah, definitely. I, um, I
3: still don't think you can stream De La Soul.
2: No, you can't. <laughs> that's, but, I mean, that's, that's because that's in the, hall, or the Rock and Roll Hall of but Fame. But that's because De La <laughs> knows. De La, De La, okay, so... Uh, uh, well, they have
3: some funny uh, arrangements in their contracts. Right, but so,
2: they also yeah. understand their worth. So I wanted to ask you, Matt, about Helping artists understand their worth in the in the process of doing this. What have you learned about that? What have you learned about that as a concept? And how do you actually like you know work towards that with you know your module?
1: Yeah, I think um, maybe a couple answers to that question. One is like uh, again uh, based on stories that Gareth is telling us about kind of his insider look at the industry and and for him. The saddest part was, as the the business he was in transition to most of the revenue coming from touring and shows, that that a bunch of his kind of favorite artists who were not into that, never had a live you know show, never had a desire to do it, they basically just dropped out of the industry. Um, And so he was like, "I'm losing all these. um, These people made music that I really loved, and now they're not doing it anymore because just purely like a you know almost like a business model problem, you know." and um and gareth was lucky enough to have a a healthy sort of touring business so he could make it work but he's like but it's tiring too you know like i understand why people don't want to do it so um or they take a deal as a result of that kind of pressure they take a deal that makes it possible for them to make music but it's not as you said it's not like it's not really reflecting the true worth like the the artist really especially these days is producing the the thing of value like um yeah, you know, the infrastructure for distribution of this kind of stuff is all around us. Like it's, you know, it's next to free, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you would have to like do a deal with an enormous company in order to get your music to people that want to hear it. So, I guess like, like the what I would see is like what to me like what would be really cool and like a great um, huge thing for Tune would be somebody somebody new breaks out on Tune and then. Can basically make that a part of their of them as an artist business wise, that they don't need to like. If you break out on SoundCloud, you need immediately need to figure out okay, what do I do? Like, I'm not making any money on SoundCloud, so do I sign a deal with a label? Labels labels start, cherry picked touring?
2: SoundCloud like nobody's business. Cherry picked, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's used as sort of like an A and R system for the labels, and uh, so yeah, and that's like that. And they and you know, it's, for them, it's great if you see if people coming up see that as the end result, like, oh if I'm lucky I'll get a I'll get a label deal. Like that's the that's sort of the pot of gold. But what would be great is just a system where, you know, or a place where you could you could kind of make uh, you know, make a flash and then continue to stay there and that's like a part of where you make your living. Um, like that would be that would be amazing.
3: Definitely. Um, have you uh, thought about this is a thing think about sometimes with uh, music and blockchain is um so our, uh i know i come from a producer background and um what you just said rings true like a lot of producers uh once the model became touring as the main uh monetization outlet for music uh a lot of producers you know they they they, they have no way of making money because right. there's they're not selling records they're not getting royalties they're not getting any of that stuff it's all because of touring cause the music is a lot of it's free or it's streaming you know it's pennies um, so a lot of people have become sound they make sound kits and stuff like that um, is that something you thought about with Tune because I could see a huge market for uh, producers putting their sounds on Tune as a library and then you know people on Tune could pay them in notes or if they use it etc. like that I, I think
1: that would be a good, uh, a good marketing tool for Tune yeah, that would be that would be really cool. That sort of like might fit under the remix umbrella a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, if it was part of a track that, you know, you were gonna use the stems or the you know, some of the sound libraries to, to do the remix, but it might be fun too just to have them kind of released as a as a thing. Like I'm sort of an amateur Ableton mm-hmm. kinda of noodler and I'm always like you know, I can't make my own sounds really, so I gotta go out there and get sound packs and stuff. So I'm all over those sites. But mm-hmm. yeah, it would be great if it was like at all easy and seamless and, and everybody was getting what you know it was just easy for everybody involved and yeah that would be great yeah I could see I could see
2: producers taking yeah, advantage of in that my, system in my head I see in the future not that I'm like you know leading to a crystal ball or anything but there's this space where there's an album there's the instrumentals then there's all of the drums right then there's and you literally are purchasing like and you can purchase this at various levels mm mm-hmm. And it's like right there on your site, Matt. Where it's like, okay, if you want to buy this album, it's here. If you want to buy these singles, it's here. If you want to buy just the drums, they're here. Right. If you want to buy just like you know, just a couple of these like melodies that are made, they're here. Like, and, and that's and to me, that's something that Beatport could have done. Mm-hmm. But Beatport wasn't in that industry of doing that. They were just like, okay, single, 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 singles. But in my mind, that's the next layer. Right. Where we go with this. Because right. you have to monetize not, not to not to, you know, use a term that's popular in the industry, but you have to monetize three hundred and sixty degrees right. of the actual song. Right, right.
0: Every so morsel, more every crumb. Right. Exactly, yeah, well, right. They, all, your plate. You have to license all of that too. Right. All of that would have to be managed in, in terms of the rights management. It would it, Oh yeah. I mean, all there's there could potentially be some advantage for it being an Ethereum product or on blockchain because that would already be known.
2: Yeah, and you'd have it, and it's, if it's already. If tracked. it's native
0: yeah. to that environment, There's there could be some benefit to that. If it's native to it, then it's a lot easier than to try to pull something that's already been done and divide it up that right. way. Because mm-hmm.
2: my thinking is for you, as as, as the beat maker, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier for you to make money off of maybe that yeah. instead of like the fully completed song. Yeah, yeah, of course. And saying, okay, artist X, mm-hmm. you get the fully completed song. That's fine. I'll take every other piece That I, I made Right, right And I'll take You know, like yeah. I'll take 100% of that you sure. get 100% Of the completed song That your vocal is on right. That, you know mix master. we put it out
3: Yeah I. The, the industry's so Saturated with Bedroom producers now That, um, you know It's hard to Even You know Like 10 years ago You could go into Studio and sell A bunch of tracks um, I remember DJ Toomp After he blew up You know He used to go travel The country Studio to studio And, you know I don't want to give away too much, but he used to make a lot of money studio <laughs> to studio, you know? Obviously. And, uh, you know, that was the thing. Like, I, I used to go and not... I used to go and make, you know, probably 10 times less than he used to, right. but I used to do the same thing, go out on the East Coast, go hit yeah. studios and make, you know, leave with some money, and it was all good, but that literally doesn't happen anymore because so many people are competing to be on songs that are possibly going to blow up that, it, you know, unless you are established, really established and have a um a bass, uh, it's it's hard right. for a producer out but there. But if you days. have like the toughest drums in the game, yeah,
2: sure. Like Pri-
3: you know, Primo's not giving away beats for free, right? So. But if
2: you have like if you have his drums, yeah, and his drums were available somewhere, right, for sale, people are gonna buy them. People are gonna buy them. Yeah, like if you have like the, the like, and that's a, and that's a crazy thing. Like when I think about, it, I was talking about earlier as a journalist, that I was talking earlier about as a journalist watching this thing kind of like dissipate. Any idea that, like, thirty or forty years ago, imagine the spread of hip hop. For instance, you know, from like seventy, you know, seventy four to right now. Imagine how much faster that would have happened had the the time when you like when the time when you hit the the machine and you you took the sample of Clyde Subfield's drums, yeah. you took the fucking drummer break, right, right. and you you hit the you hit the the you hit the pause tape and you made it, and you looped it. And then if you could, like, literally sit down and upload that to a site and then hit the hit the news and say, hey, this is available for, yeah,
3: X, number of, know, for, for X number of, you know, for X number of Sure,
2: Right, it would have made...
3: It would have been different, though. It would have changed the course of history as well, too, because you had... You know, you had the time for that region to really breed what hip-hop was at that time, and it it lasted like that for a while. Right. Then, as the internet came on, the region started melding. Right. And more and more, and the But it's just, it's
2: crazy to me just to think about it. When I I was getting ready for this conversation, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that that would have been insane. Mm -hmm. Because by 81...
3: Clyde got no money off his <laughs> yeah, break, but dude. Clyde would have
2: been able to make money. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, I've seen easily. documentaries with Clyde like, "Yo, man, like, fuck this." Yeah, he
2: would have been able to. He would have been able to make money yeah. because you would have had to have
3: James Brown's drummer would have been paid because that's that's how hip hop right.
0: was. And and then it's like it would have. But you all know him. There, there's there's something interesting about this that listening to you all talk is that you know the musicians are known for their some. Thing right. that they're articulating and yeah. then if you oh sorry the, but then if you if you do have your bedroom dj
3: yeah
0: you're not they're not necessarily known you know it's 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 a little bit different because there's personality that's related to right. these artists that i'm not sh- I, i'm thinking like, is getting lost a little bit
2: for, but you're forcing. And I think that's one. And Matt, I want to ask you about this too. If you've noticed on the back end, when you're like kind of like going through stuff, which I'm sure you do, you're not to you're not to lie to us. I'm sure you do. You, you get stuff on the back end because my my buddies that work at Bandcamp do the same thing. When albums come in six months ahead of time on the back end of Bandcamp, they're downloading them and listening to them immediately, like before they even reach you know the world. So I'm sure you do the same thing. So like when you hear a track and you hear somebody doing something particularly unique. That person automatically has a personality of just being like really great at what they do, and you're like intrigued by them, and you want to like hear more, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, yeah. there's something like we we're just hearing this conversation too. That's like the the whole idea of um, you know what would it be like if it was if this was easier or more available, or you know what would it, what would the course of music history been like if you know if this level of abundance and ease of finding out about things were you know was, was present previously it's like it seems like if you could hear a song I, like some of my favorite songs are remixes of other songs right. so if you make that easy and and also by easy you know easy to do it but also easy for the person who originally made the song to get what's due to them which allows this whole process to work continuously and not just kind of peter out as like you know the original people give up on this whole thing but um, then we get this new like you know oh that's a sound I never would have made like I make I work with these kind of instruments and I would have never made that drum beat or that bass sound or whatever but I have this idea for it and those are some of my favorite kinds of music is that uh, those merging so if we make that easier then what kind of stuff like what does that do to the kind of music and the volume of music that's produced I mean it's, it's a pretty interesting thought it's still Kind of not really out there, even though like we, you know, lots of stuff is done about music on the internet. There's not this isn't really that widespread that kind of mechanism.
0: It's probably the the imperfect the imperfections of older music are more welcome. It seems like that's why these older tracks and these keep being reused is the is the human element of it of that the, uh, the the computer doing it. Just I mean, as much as I like YEDM it isn't the same <laughs> right it just isn't the same ah, this is
2: well, <laughs> it, it, just, it just fascinates me because I feel like the one thing that is forgotten in all of this is that like and we haven't done this in like 15 years where people haven't been able to get commensurate worth or like these kind of like happenstance, especially now with computers, like this kind of like happenstance accidents of button pressing. Because this is where we're going now. Right. Like this is undeniably where we're going now. It's not so much like I was in the room and I was playing the drum and I, you know, yeah. like missed, you know, like where I was supposed to come in. And I was and so, taking
3: like a piano roll program and putting something else on it, and be like oh shit, we can't yeah. do that in real life. But but,
2: no. but I like the fact now that we're able to like <laughs> a quantify who did it. And B pay them something. And my, my uh, and Matt, I, 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 we probably ask you probably get asked, get asked this question a lot, but I'll ask it to you as well. Um, the worth of that in this era, how do you think that expands, or do you think it expands? Because I mean we we have a we have a number from Spotify that's absurd. And doesn't make any sense, and you're like, why does anybody make music, if you look at that number? Yeah. So the number has to be, like, I always say it has to be one cent more, or even half a cent more, than that number. And so, like, do you think that's the number, or do you think that there's, like, a much greater worth for all of this, eventually?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, partially related to what you were saying, just, just prior to that, that the idea that you can see first of all the, the idea that you can see who's involved in a track like on tune if you go and you look at a song uh, a lot of the time if there's a vocalist on it or something that they'll be mentioned in the revenue split in the tracks you'll see them as like vocalists sure. and, and their share or you'll see a few people and then you can go click on to one of those people oh, that person worked on that song what else have they worked on um and the whole thing is pretty transparent, and we try to make it as transparent as possible. So every day, um, all the earnings are published across this whole network of relationships, and you can see who's making what and, and from what and all that all that stuff. So even that's kind of a new thing. It's like a, yeah. it's always it's, murky it's, who's working on bra- what. It's the, a block, the block
3: bra- explorer in music and blockchain is a, that, that's one of the variables that makes it interesting. Is that you can literally see in real time. Who's listening to what Who's making what Like you right. said The artists that are on it uh, Without Even if say You know like When LL Cool J Released that one song and didn't this was, I forget this song But it didn't yeah, listen to the singer it. It's then, doing it yeah, LeSean, doing it uh, And then she like yeah. Fought back for years To get on yeah, He wanted like A yeah. skinny girl on the video And all right. that stuff And But right away We could have been like Alright that's her I'm gonna call her up To get a track But it took like exactly. 15 years before Anybody yeah. listened right. to her And as, this is now like on the Fully
2: transparent Like okay yeah. boom This is who it is Right I think, and then like
3: the, for the listeners to be able to see what everybody else is doing, and like me as a DJ, even being able to see like who's downloading and listening to what, thats that would play an integral role in the future of DJing, I think.
1: Yeah, and we're starting to see a little bit of that now already. People are looking, you know, looking around, finding music that's similar to theirs on the site, and then talking about doing collaborations. Um, also, just because it's so easy to. To do the back end of that collaboration, meaning like if if uh, if we're gonna work on a song together, all of us without this, then we gotta like I don't know, send a contract to each other, and then like when, how does that, how does the money get split, and when and how? And now it's just as easy as like yeah, just put me on your. I'm gonna see it because everything's public, so like yeah, just use the use the my vocals and give me thirty percent, and uh, I'll see it on your track, and that's that. Now it's now it's fun, and it's like kind of easy to see that everybody's being honest.
3: Well, for, for all our listeners that have still stuck around for this conversation it, it's a good conversation uh, I just wanted we haven't mentioned it but it's dot c o c h o o n dot c-o is the website you can go to uh, you know sign up and learn about this. is it open to the public
1: yeah it is yep and um we uh, we are now, I think we're we're still, we have an artist waiting list just because we're doing the, the copyright scanning and there's a bit of a backlog there, but we're, we're getting through it, so if you're an artist, you can upload uh, pretty soon after signing up, too.
3: Right now, there's 1,487 artists signed up with Tune, and you all have only been uh, operating for around a month, right? Yeah, not even. I think uh, yesterday was three weeks. Sweet. And to, I know you talked about it briefly in the beginning, but... There's one million of these notes created. How does it mean one billion, I'm sorry. A million billion. How does it distribute it again? I know you Yeah, talk about that for a second.
1: Sure. So it's um, the the whole thing is called streaming is mining and the idea that it's an analogy to you know, the miners do the work in Bitcoin, so they get the rewards, and for the music side, it's the same idea, the artists do the work, and they get these rewards for doing that. So, every day, uh, there's a daily allocation of notes that the that the system hands out. So, right now, for the first, I believe, five years, it's 375,000 notes a day. So, we total up all the streams, and then divide up, sort of pro-rata, based on you know who got the most streams. You get that share of those notes. Um, and that continues on for a while then it starts to trail off linearly for the second half of the decade. Um, what happens after the 10 years? So as at some point during all of this then we'll start charging money for these things. So then that will start to as the number of notes we're handing out declines, the amount of notes being bought by people trying to use the system will start to increase and it should hopefully counteract that. So as the supply fades out, the you know, the, uh, the number of notes being purchased should rise, so should at least should grow, we would hope, but it uh, should at least sort of even out.
0: Why, why did you pick 10 years?
1: I think it's just, we wanted sort of one to give, like, we're thinking about this as a long-term thing, so 10 years is a pretty long time in, uh, in computer land. But uh, also just sort of a round number, and it, it needs to also be, it can't be a hard cliff there, because that would be a real weird discontinuity in the whole system if you suddenly went from 375000 one day to zero the next day.
2: It's like the real-life music would, industry or something, right? What, that's right? It's like the real-life music industry or something, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So we wanted to have it be something that uh, actually you can sort of adjust as that number started going down, which some of this stuff is modeled on, on just how the blockchain rewards decrease and stuff like that, too.
0: I was just thinking about things change so quickly, you know, trying to uh, go out into 10 years is, is quite a feat.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and that's hopefully like uh, sending the message that we're thinking about this on those On those frames because some of these things take take time to change as well. But uh, but also, it's like the way this works is that the in the same way as with these other like Bitcoin, Ethereum, all that stuff. The earlier you're in, the more the more chance you get to capture the share. Right when there's fifteen hundred artists, then you have a better chance of getting some of these notes versus you know. So take so
3: take note to the artist listening. Get in early, and you'll be part of the bigger allocation of notes.
2: So I wanted to. I wanted
3: to if tune takes over, like the plan is, then you all will have much notes and you'll be rich, and your one cent click will maybe be worth a lot more if tune blows up.
2: So I wanted to ask you a question about something that I think you may have noticed on the back end. It's a thing that I've noticed on the front end, just insofar as how I study like global music trends. So um, I noticed that like something like Korean pop music, very popular in Asia, but it's also popular in South America which seems like it's, you know, incongruous and doesn't make any sense, but then when you see, like, the the revenue at the end of the day, you're like, oh, fine, great, it's popular there, wonderful, I don't care. (laughs) You know, the money comes in. So are there things like that that you notice as far as, like, looking at the globalism aspects of this and uh, which ones are the ones that stand out to you the most?
1: Like, which genres are the ones that stand out? Yeah, like, as
2: far as, like, the globalism, like, when you see, like, you know, something that's made in Switzerland that's popular in South Africa, and you're like, oh, that's... Different.
0: That's what but, journal. Yeah. That's what journalists are for,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, where's young exactly.
3: Lean getting that burn at? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: I don't know if I can answer that question tonight, but uh,
2: yeah, but that's it's a different Matt show. At, but can, yeah, <laughs> but I feel like that's something that's important in understanding the, the the genius of this is that it's it's one of the few things. Again, like, you know, we're very anti-globalism in America. And it's a thing, but I feel like that's the genius of this is that you're in, you're ultimately creating a globalized marketplace at all times, like for, you know, artists who are independent and don't have access to distribution or have access to, you know, marketing and can just, you, you put something on a platform like this and it just expands and it can, you can find pockets of different places where popularity becomes a thing. Yeah. yeah it's pretty cool.
1: Especially like, you know, you know, every platform is kind of international by default these days you have to work to make that not the case but um i'd say like what we're probably seeing so far is that um dance music and inter- you know electronic music is is international it's like almost maybe the music that crosses the most boundaries um, especially just talking to garrett and some of the people he works with like they they'll play huge shows basically anywhere in the world mm-hmm. um which you know in North America, especially the U.S., you can kind of lose sight of that sometimes. You can still still get a pretty good crowd out for an ACDC show or something here, but maybe, <laughs> maybe not elsewhere in the world. So yeah. um, so that's one thing that's pretty interesting is that, just that that kind of music seems to have a large audience no matter where. And then there's these weird, like, genres that suddenly cropped up early. Like, there's Australian pub rock, of all things, suddenly showed up oh, as, like... We only list a genre on the... Um, on the like, main genre page if it goes over a certain number of tracks so like uh, there must be a bug. like I can't imagine like Australian <laughs> you <know. laughs>
3: have you got have you got some witch house yet? <laughs> oh <laughs> I
1: don't think so no <laughs> oh, no I don't think so but yeah like we gotta um, talk
3: to no eyes and get some witch house on the, <laughs> on the platform
1: <laughs> that, that sounds good yeah there's some super specific genres in there definitely Um yeah so I think what happened was like a band got just found out of like I don't know how so that uh, some like australian band found out about the platform and then got their band their friends on it and suddenly like, we have this little like you know this genre of this kind of music so i was like all right there you go that's cool wouldn't have expected that but awesome
3: i'm gonna put on drunk acapella as my uh <laughs> my specific there it genre. is I I'm, gonna, it. I'm gonna blow it up from, <laughs> from my
0: awesome.
3: house yeah. I, this, dig it. I dig this it this dig my region
2: in dc <laughs> blow up Oh, it's it, that just it just it just blows it my just mind it just
0: happened it's already yeah. blowing up yeah it's
2: stuff like that that just, Shoon me man you yeah, nope me it's stuff that like that that blows my mind because i feel like that's where a lot of this is is headed and it's things like this that like major labels can't do well with so like like
0: cuz they want everything to be in boxes right it's
2: like like a uh, like like little like pump right the gucci gang song right. which is not a song no, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's but it's on it's a, a major label and it's released like an actual my, song. My son will
3: tell you it's a damn song. That's for
2: sure. Right, but it's but it's <laughs> but it's crazy because that's the kind of thing that if you had this like independent like site that is you know has access worldwide, you could put stuff like that out there into Test the world and let it do what it's going right. to do. Mm-hmm. And a major mainstream label that has no real way of like understanding how to manipulate that as like a sub-genre and make it into a thing that has legs because that's
3: uh, well somebody in atlanta will discover tune and they'll take it over so i mean that's yeah. how it all works right, right. <laughs> atlanta just makes one a, hit right,
2: wonders they'll be, be, be a soldier boy right <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's usually how it works. Atlanta is the city of one hit. Atlanta.tune.co. There it is. There it is. You already said it. Yeah, yeah. Just go there. It's all the best stuff. I love it. I love it.
3: Hey, where are um, our notes traded on any
1: exchange yet? No, no. We're still still pretty early. So, um, no.
3: So, uh, basically, right now, um, the artists are. Earning the notes and pretty much having faith in the system that um, you know they'll be able to trade them amongst each other, or is it? Are you more geared towards you using these notes to just participate in the platform? Yeah,
1: there's going to be a bunch of stuff to do with the notes on the site itself. Like that's kind of um, that's kind of how this should work. Is if that it turns into like if you imagine something at the scale of SoundCloud, but with a currency attached to it. There's lots of different stuff you could do uh, with with that currency if it's like sort of native to to the platform so that's really the goal but yeah eventually you know they they're going to be a full erc 20 token they are a full erc 20 token so you can do also you can take it off the site and just do whatever you want with it right
2: for me as a journalist um having access to music that is experimental and or just new and or just intriguing in the sense that it's experimental and or new is important, and to be able to know that there's like sustainable sites where this stuff exists and it can be like you know reported on as like a growing thing is important. So I'm glad that you're doing this, and I, I appreciate the fact that you you have a, a semblance of common sense about where this is headed. So that's appreciated. <laughs> yeah,
3: Tune, Tune has, out of all the music platforms that I've researched and I've researched, I think all of them that are out there tune has the best grip on the way it's going like the right you, uh, you know the mining of it the presentation of it the community um it's it's pretty strong like you look at some of these other communities and it's all pump groups there's a lot of ICO stuff so they don't see that in tune because um you know people weren't buying into tune to pump it on an exchange like it's right. mostly musicians in their telegram group like
0: so it's cool
1: yeah I mean that's definitely how we see this we're a music company that 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 uses the blockchain but that's the order of these things and uh, there's just uh, there's a bigger prize here you know there's like a big exciting thing we could do if you could make a new thing what we've talked about this new kind of music industry that's pretty awesome man like uh, that's, that's really the thing that we're excited about and if the blockchain is the tool that lets you do that great but like the blockchain seems to come first in all these things and that's not necessarily how it has to be
3: I got one another question before we get out of here. Um, you guys built it on Ethereum, and if Ethereum isn't as functioning in, in five years, could you move it to another platform?
1: Yeah, we could. It would probably be like a it would be a pain. Um, yeah. You could do I could imagine a couple of different ways you could do it. Um, and there's always talk of like you know maybe Ethereum gets faster or cheaper or whatever, or maybe another platform will kind of come along and can be that sort of high transaction rate solution For we have a bunch of stuff that we had to create in order to kind of work around just the expense of transactions on Ethereum yeah. so you can imagine it yeah it'd be possible I Wouldn't you I know, wouldn't say it would be easy but it should be possible
3: it's not ideal I'm just wondering yeah I, I, see, I see I've see. i noticed some in the Ethereum crowd just some not a lot but they're all some of them I've seen some people talking about EOS and then Tezos and stuff I just you know we've all been in the blockchain space a while and you don't want to see like this just keep moving from hot platform to hot platform like there's got to be some kind of uh
1: continuity um, yeah to this whole space and some stability too right like you want to know that uh the things that you're earning are running on a blockchain that has a lot of participants, stability, good governance, Security. all that kind of stuff. So Ethereum has all of that right now. So that's like kind of the most important thing, it seems.
0: Yeah, and then it, de- it destroys the point of artists getting involved with this if they, at the end of the day, they're back where they were. Right. When they started. Yeah. But you know, I mean, everybody's taking everybody's taking a risk, but I think to the extent that. You know, like you trying to build longevity and, and durability into the platform is is going to go a long way toward uh, getting artists interested.
3: Yeah, at the base, yeah. Of, at the base of all this for artists, in my opinion, is dude. If if dudes and chicks, if you people. all are li- people, animals, whoever is listening to this that makes music, if you are releasing music through all the traditional platforms as an independent artist, there's no way any reason. In my mind, that you shouldn't also try uploading on some of these blockchain joints because I mean it's a, it's a new way to earn money and uh, this uh, or and and participate in a whole you know new realm like uh, you know you're you can get a whole new audience well, all types of saying, things community like,
2: outreach is so key yeah, right? and, yeah. You have, and you and the thing about the blockchain that's important I tell artists this all the time you know that you know how much money these people have. You know how much money they're willing to spend. You understand also that they care uniquely about you as an artist because if they're spending money to purchase your music in this unique system, there's an actual like discernible it's an emotional thing. emotional connection because they want you to know yeah. that they spent money on you. Like patronage for right, sure. Right. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Well the other thing yeah. that could is is useful about this, at least from my perspective, is the, the old ways of entering into contracts and we were talking about that earlier yes. the reason why they are the way they are is laziness it's, it has nothing to do nobody wants to make the modifications oh, oh, oh to God, uh, God, God, more fairer agreements God, God. and having an opportunity really to start from scratch because there's no reason to keep using contract terms that are outdated there really isn't any and and the uh, last
2: update was like the 360 deal that was almost ten years year ago. ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: so it, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, while you have that knowledge, you should know what 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 was bad about those kinds of contracts. But it shouldn't stop people from thinking about new ways to enter into these agreements. Because I, I'm I'm afraid that yeah, you know I've read these contracts for twenty years now, and I don't I have to check myself that I'm not bringing that same negativity or downside right. into when I'm talking about these things into this blockchain space because those terms are not necess- necessary in the same way anymore. I don't right. have to talk about breakage. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to talk, right, right, right. you know, I don't have to talk about that <laughs> stuff. And and but those contracts are still written that way. I mean, there's still clauses dealing with things of none of this has happened in in 20 years. Why is it still in here because Nobody wants to take it out because they're afraid that maybe one day we won't have any digital equipment. I don't know, but I don't know why these clauses are still in there. Um, but this is really uh, could be a blank slate um, if people are willing to take that, that chance to, to do it.
3: It's in your hands, independent artists and consumers. Bam. There it is. <laughs> Well, Matt, is there anything else you want to add uh, before we let you go? I know we I took you for a little more time than we agreed upon.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, no, great conversation. That's. Yeah. Uh, I think we covered it. Yeah. Dope, dope. Uh, yo, where, where are you located? In Brooklyn.
3: Dope. All right. Shout out to Brooklyn.
1: Yep.
0: Anything new on the horizon in the next couple months?
1: For tune, you mean? Yeah, for me personally. Well, for you in personally, Brooklyn. hey, you,
0: yeah, what, what's happening in Brooklyn in the next couple months?
1: Oh man, a lot.
0: Um, <laughs> well,
1: uh, let's see. When's yeah. the tune meetup going to be? That's a good question. That would actually be fun. Like, uh, I know there's at least uh, a few artists like not far from me in uh, in Brooklyn, so that actually would be cool. Yeah, I should do that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, they have they have bars yeah, in Brooklyn. Did. The next big thing for, uh, for June is like always we're always changing stuff on it but I think the next big thing will be this playlist thing um, that's sort of the, the, the big next change um, and it sort of involved a whole other um, group of people like right now it's pretty much artists that are and you know and you can listen as well but now it's going to be people that can really try to work, work on their playlist and try I'm to be like right. sort of the, the tastemaker in a genre or something like that
3: playlists of the new blogs
1: <laughs>
3: yeah yep cool all right man We'll appreciate it and uh we'll definitely talk again soon and uh i'm definitely gonna uh upload some tunes get on that wait list for tune check it out uh-huh. hope everybody listening uh check it out it's tune.co and uh Matt paid a zero for this. This is all love right here. <laughs> yeah. so we're just trying to spread the gospel. Yep. All right, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, lot. Bye. 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 All right. Good conversation. Yeah, definitely. I, Wait, I enjoyed that. What would you take away from that uh, out of that hour-long conversation? I
2: mean, I think that we're at a point where these are like the Ahmet Erdogans and these are the people who like you know kind of Clive Davis people who run our industry no I'm dead serious like the, the, the guys like him that's I'm their serious. role but, Like, but
0: they but it's interesting that you mentioned him because of course um, the Erdogans right would scour right the countryside
2: exactly that's and, why I mentioned him and right. they
0: traveled from Turkey to yeah and got Atlanta all these things that that were part of the the experience, but what we're talking about here, and what you're talking about, is that the experiences seem to be missing. The actual, right, oh, the actual, the actual experiences of but I, going to the okay, places.
2: I'll put it like this. Oh, okay, before
3: you get into that, yeah, Clive Davis. <laughs> I, heard, I remember hearing stories about how that, that Eric Sturman jumped out of a window because of Cloud Dance. Yes. Right. <laughs> and, and, and,
2: yeah. True. <laughs> but, but no, so I mean, I feel like... Yeah, there's some crazy... Yeah, so so the <laughs> thing that's intriguing is that the, 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 the travel now is more so in the discovery. So all the music is there, like we were talking about earlier. All the music is available. Yeah. You just have to source it. And the second end of the work you do to source it
3: is the travel time. Is the travel time? Yeah, exactly. Like if you have if to make your way through the saturation.
2: Right. If you're deep digging on like, you know, like in the days when I was like super heavy in the blog in the blogosphere, when you would like I'd spend time on as I used to always say, I'd spend time on like, you know, Malaysian Soundcloud. I'd like literally type in Malaysia beats. And, you know, I'd go through everything that was, like, geotagged from this area, and I'd be like, okay, this is cool. Does this person have a connection to somebody who's, like, relevant in the world of, you know, electronic music? Maybe. I mean, when Moonbatone was a the thing, there's this kid, right. Anger Demas.
3: Is it not a thing anymore?
2: It's it, Well, it's now, like, every song on the radio. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. But so this kid, Anger Demas, he's from, uh, he's from Indonesia. There's, like, five bloggers in the world. Who all kind of discovered Angry Demas making Moombatone at the same time, and he's in Indonesia.
3: Right, Not DC only see where it originated. Yeah, Go the only
2: right, the only way that you would have known that this kid was making like fire tracks is by like digging yeah. so deep into SoundCloud, where like you're going through like page like just Moombatone. Yeah, into the what? you know. And that, you're like on like page six. That's not an easy job. Man. <laughs> I think through a
3: lot of that stuff too. Yeah. And it's not easy. And it's like you got to listen to 99 tracks of yeah, and suck. Yeah, and then you're job. like,
2: and then you hit like number, you hit like page six, and he's like in the middle of page six, and you're like, wait, this is fire. Wait.
0: But see, that's not very interesting to me because I like when I hear about Quantic going into a Colombian, you know, neighbor uh, town, and they're they've been having this music for, you know hundreds of years yeah. and nobody ever knew about these that's a lot more interesting it's to me than whole, how much time you're spending on SoundCloud yeah it's a whole different well, yeah, it's, it's a different cultural phenomenon but it's still culture yeah. Yeah, that's the yeah. intriguing yeah. part of it
2: I think that's
3: I, I used to sit online in the uh, in the what are they called the knots and
2: the OOs yeah
3: and uh, I used to um, buy boxes of um, mostly J-pop and Russian uh, <laughs> records made in the 70s and 80s just boxes of them right. at the time from dealers and you couldn't listen to them but you could go through and look at the cover art and basically all my pickings are off of cover the, art the, and i have the, to the, wait the, weeks but the, and drum, have to pay the a drums, drums are crazy on those records. everything was crazy and like nobody had had like i mean if you think about like russia and iran and stuff that the music the drums and the that they were making crazy. back then in the like, late 70s and early 80s and they were all put out through the country. There was, yeah, was no like, say, independent out, like, labels Yellow Magic
2: like Orchestra stuff, right? Right, yeah, all that yeah. stuff.
3: And, like, you know, most of the stuff I can't even pronounce because it's written in fucked up languages. <laughs> but but <laughs> shout out to Momo Yamaguchi, though. I can always read a Momo Yamaguchi record yeah. and a an Hitachi record. Right. But, um, yeah, that 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 was like the fun of it, too. Like, you just, you, it's like getting present because then you order it, and then, like, two or three weeks later, the box comes in and you go through it and fuck fucking right. all up. You, yeah, yeah. I one love one getting year.
0: LPs in the mail. Like from other countries, like it's just such a I mean, thrill it's, to me.
2: It's weird because the the thing that happens though, it's like it's a it's a dual layer now. So it's like you do that first search, and then if you really like want to make the, and this is the thing so like Mad Decent is a perfect example of a label that like really gets it. So like, dip, it's not just Diplo anymore. It's like Diplo and like a whole group of people that over the last ten years have like grown up to understand music in the way that he sees it. So it's like him and like a group of people, and they will be like, hey, this is a genre that exists here in Iran.
3: Let's houseify it, right? But yeah, no, it.
2: but they'll go, but they'll go there, <laughs> and they, they'll find like the top guy in Iran. This actually right, right. legitimately happened, and they're like, hey, top producer in Iran, we're gonna come to you, we're gonna fly out to you. Who are your who are your drummers? Who's your vocalist? Who's the, the, the illest, like, engineer where you are? It so will you, fly so, out
3: to so, you. So Diplo's like the Drake of uh, house music? Completely.
2: Like, he's <laughs> like, I, follow <laughs> I follow Diplo. <laughs> no, he's on that level. and You see him when he's yeah. on Instagram. He'll literally yeah. fly out to somewhere. <laughs> right. And he'll go into, like, okay, so, like, Major Laser as a concept. These are all important things in this conversation because this is, like, we always talk about globalism with him on the phone. This is important. This is why I was bringing it up. So, like, Major Laser as a concept. Like people are like, oh, they just make crazy like dance hall music. No. Diplo spends time, gets on a plane, goes into Kingston, and literally walks around the streets of Kingston talking to tastemakers physically in Kingston, like, who's the hottest rapper at Kingston right now? Right. Literally That's oh. smart though. Yeah, oh it's this guy? Nice. Hey this guy. I'm Diplo with Mad Decent Records. Yeah. We're a we're a subsidiary. Right, we're a subsidiary of Universal. I have a check right here. You want this check? Cool just just what's the what's the hottest dub plate you, you've wrapped on right now can you can you get the guy who produced that dub plate yeah no. i want to sit with that guy and that we want to like sit for that dub plate. <laughs> it's, it, that's what he does and so and you get these tracks that like come out months and years later that he's just because he flew down sat there because you already you hear it initially because that's the thing with SoundCloud, and you know this, and you probably know this too. When you get on like a SoundCloud, or even now with what Matt has, like there'll be someone who will do the exact same thing with Tune, with Tune. Where right. like you'll go through and go, okay, cherry-picking. yeah, cherry picking. Like okay, cool, we'll fly out to you. Who's your engineer? Where's your hottest studio? We'll go in, boom, 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 make the track, take them out, put them out. You know, and and you'll and the thing is that that's great about it. Speaking about Tune, the thing that Diplo does. 'Cause he got tired of people saying that he, you know, like appropriated, you know, genres and stole music. Everybody gets paid. Cause now he's now now that they're under Universal, everybody can get paid. They can literally like make the list and give it to the Universal accountant and say, Everybody here. All of them. Get a check. And that's kinda like the 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 more like classic version and not and
3: not just going there stealing the sound and right. You know, like it's mine.
0: Well, yeah. trying to find contracts That's the other thing too. Is oh that well, that contract mysteriously is missing? I spent you know uh, a summer a couple of years ago trying to find contracts for a musician yeah. that's mu- The music it's known right that the musician had performed and provided some uh, some tracks and wrote the music, but there's no contract. As they just. Pulled yeah. him in. He happened to be in the studio I've next done door. Tons of music with no content. See,
3: tons <laughs> and tons. But,
0: right. But then <laughs> and then swear. what happens? You're you know you're 70 right. years old trying to take care of your mom, and you now don't have any income. And that's right. that's what you can point to is that. And, and Looking for the, that and contract. That's
2: the, that's the benefit of the blockchain. I feel like is that. That's what I'm hoping. Can, if you can. That's the bi- that's
3: the hope for sure.
2: Accurately quantify like you know people and their time and their talents and.
3: And besides the labels like ASCAP, BMI, all this shit, they, they suck, man. Like, for the most part, for, for they they're great for big artists because they want to cater to them. But for like artists like me and stuff, like I gotta just depend that um, my ASCAP check is correct. Like I, I don't have time or resources to go back and say, oh. He did play this song a bunch of times like it's just like I could go on a block explorer and be like boom right you know what I mean like all right it's there I look up my ID and it's there uh, you know, I don't know how I know rights management is a big thing uh, people are looking at blockchain um, I hope somebody gets it right
2: I'll put it like this one of my hopes for blockchain is why I'm glad I'm doing this because this is a thing that I fervently believe deep down inside my heart is that at some point the music industry because they're not going to be able to pay the accountants, will put most of the industry into the blockchain. Just because they don't want to pay the accountant, to have to sit there to work 19-hour days and like go through everybody's stuff. They're, like somebody, somebody's going to wake up. It'll be the same thing happen when Metallica. It's not going to
3: be an accountant, that's for sure.
2: Right? It'll be like <laughs> right. Absolutely not. But it'll be like the same thing when Metallica woke up and understood exactly what Napster, <laughs> what was, Napster was, and they're just like. Well, what? Yeah, right. So on the positive, it'll be like someone's going to wake up in the music industry. I don't know who this person is. Somebody in a you know gray suit with with uh, shoulder pads will wake up one day and <laughs> and look at and look at you know uh, Grace Jones, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It'll be Grace Jones. So there's some you know there's somebody will wake up and look at at a, at a website and go wait. So they have a thing where they have to put in all the information, and they already quantify. Exactly what these people get paid. Hmm. Can we put the can we pull this across the board? Can we do this? And and actually the industry is in a great place right now to do it. The one benefit of there being three major labels left is that this is really easy to do. Like super easy. Like it takes it takes five interns, one summer. To input all the information and then just set it and forget it and let it go. All right.
0: Well, it's... It, We're just
2: not there with the blockchain
3: yet, though, I don't think. Right, you know, but I feel, that's but that's I feel the like... But they're all merged. They're, like, the two things are kind of right. collapsing.
0: but I feel help. like
2: if, like, Ethereum continues to be, like, a safe haven and it's, like, protected and you have, like, you know, a certain level of, like, you know, trusting it, then that's the kind of space where that would work.
0: There's huge barriers to entry and that's why we keep hearing the same music over and over again with, you know, with the three labels. That's That's exactly why, you know, you're not hearing enough variety. or not hear none hearing. of that
3: shit I don't listen to the radio. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've, I, I I've
3: been an indie listener supporter and music maker.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing, when I, but I also get upset and probably you all could appreciate this is when I think I found somebody that nobody else has heard and I've spent all my time on some, you know, my internet radio exclusive and then other people find out about it.
3: Does it make you a... Sad. it makes me
0: very very sad and then I then I can't <laughs> but, listen to them anymore then that's selfish of you though right <laughs> I, everybody does that though
3: I hate when you have like that one friend where like they discover the artist or maybe you put them on and then all of a sudden that's all they fucking talk about and then you're like I hate that artist remember that happened when, when uh like when Necro first came out I was like oh, Necro's dope and then my friend he was, that's all he talked about I was like yeah I can't listen to Necro more. you better shut the fuck up
2: like stop <laughs> It's like my really basic principle. It's really, really,
3: yeah. It's religion, like with blockchain is religion. Music, you know, discovery is religious as well. A bit, like you want to. Uh,
0: well, I hope somebody's recording all all this uh, stuff, day, like for the, the, day the day
2: that you have to sign up for, you know, for Bitcoin in order to use Spotify.
0: Yeah. yeah right, oh jeez. Right. Because that's when you stop using Bitcoin,
2: right? Right, <laughs> the, right. But that's but that's that's the, that's the eventuality of <laughs> it. Right. There's going to be somebody who has one of these streaming platforms to be smart enough to go wait so yeah you have to be but
3: the good thing is nobody wants to spend their bitcoin so we don't have to worry about that right. yeah, we can worry about the other altcoins
0: yeah yeah things. yeah but it's something to think about I feel you though yeah yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a well who's gonna do the mojo um magazine on bitcoin cryptocurrency music because I there's think... an article
2: actually in this month's mix mag by my friend Neil queen jones which is the mix mag that's coming to you in four weeks
3: Cool. Okay. You heard it here first, motherfuckers. Yeah, the I, I just
0: had. I just got a mixmag. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So there's there's, a, there's one coming in. The next one that's coming out has an article about dance music and um, the blockchain and how it's like going to actually, nope. like, you know, transform that
0: space. And, it's it well, it's and, well I'm, and I'm still upset that you don't have CDs with the mixmag. I
2: mean, you know, we have we have
0: those stupid little cards now download cards, but... That's how, that's how I, I got, was, I got in touch with him was because he he talked about
3: the... Yeah, he, he was like, she was like, you know um, Marcus <laughs> Dowling?
2: Wait, like, where the fuck
0: is you? Marcus <laughs>
3: Dowling? <This is> my <laughs> man right here. we've been working
0: <laughs> <laughs> my, my connection was a mix mag. Why don't they have CDs anymore? Fuck that. We
3: need to take it back to paper <laughs> records. Oh, God. Right, I have...
0: Well, what's, what's the new magazine? Uh, vinyl... Yeah. There's a new vinyl magazine, and I got the the one with the with the album on the cover. Yeah. It's made out oh, of. Oh, that's
3: dope! Yeah, I got two of them. <laughs> dope. Well, um, anything else you want to plug or uh, talk about, Marcus? No,
2: um, you can find me on all social media at Marcus with the C K Dowling D O W L I N G. Just feel free to follow along. There's uh, you know, there's always articles coming up everywhere. Um, I'm in physical mix mag the same one I was just talking about. I have two pieces in that this month. Uh, I've got some some work coming up for uh, the the re- soon to be restarted DCist. Uh, that's okay. exciting. That's All an right. exciting thing I can announce.
3: Um, Is that the DCist that you're going to interview Are on the blockchain in about? I mean, the, that could easily blo- happen. Blockchain <laughs> in DC and DC, and now we're fun. pushing it. That could
2: Man. easily happen. That Blow the easily. air horn on
3: that.
2: that <laughs> big, big up, happen. big up, Selector. <laughs> <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, so that can easily happen. But there's so there's always stuff going on. Um I I appreciate conversations like these because this is stuff that I actually okay. So like there's stuff that I write about, which is stuff that like just exists in the world and people are kind of like coming on to or whatever. Like, what I do is I usually expose people to things. But then there's things that like I actually care about in real life when I'm not working, which is stuff like this. Like this this is like a topic that I've been researching for like the last two years obsessively so to be able to sit down and talk about it with folks to get it i'm like this is great because these are like I, there's like there's, there's very few
3: people there's in two
2: of you <laughs> and there's like nobody else nah.
0: so yeah, it's we're like, trying we're, we're trying to change yeah,
3: that yeah, this trying, is really we've good we've both been trying to recruit people we had tom thomas blondet in here oh tom obviously he's got on some blockchain stuff yeah he knows what's going on yeah, um, yeah all, tom always knows what's going on somehow. Yeah. yeah so we we I, not many others. So I've, I've got you know all my my rap friends are some of them are in it, but not really. They're like <laughs> investing, but not. Fifty Cent
2: cashed out with like millions of dollars. Anybody who well yeah
3: it, he, so we don't even know we don't know exactly. That's the thing, actually. We don't know. We, that that headline came and it disappeared quickly because it's perceived maybe that he didn't get that big label.
2: But um, but still somebody somebody a, got it. It's a thing like. For sure. And he's a rel- relatively well-known, you know, artist with you know si- significant following. So there's a reason to believe that if you're an artist with a similar, with a a significant enough to you following, that if you tell them to do something and go somewhere to engage with your music, then there's a chance that you can actually make significant income. There's it's a fact. Right, it's Some, a somebody in this
3: has this happened right. to somebody in this room. I'm not gonna name names, but it's happened. <laughs> where you earn something and then it becomes way more valuable a year later. Yes. Like, that's part of what being an early adopter and this blockchain stuff is about too, is you get in early
2: and um and get ride, your people it, ride it out, man. Right. Get it in. It is what yeah. it is. I mean it's where it's where this is all headed. Like if people really wanna know, like the real reason I'm sitting here is because this is where this is all headed anyway like it it really is like because the the worth of a dollar in the music industry is almost negligible at this point so and once and once we get to a point where you know mega mainstream corporations are using the music industry as a patronage pit then well what else is left it's cryptocurrency and that's where we go
3: there it is great conversation Thank Most you, Marcus, for stopping oh, by. absolutely. I'm sure we'll have you stop by some oh, more. Oh, but of course. Especially <laughs> when we have some music guys on. You had some good questions. That was yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. That was you. fun. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, signing off on this episode, Art on the Blockchain.